0: This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. You guys have officially made me lose my marbles!
1: This is a nightmare!
0: Okay, I meant to play Gronk audio. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's not Gronk. The repeater! <laughs> That's not grock. Going to the repeater. It could be apropos at some point. <laughs> we'll <Yeah>. see. <laughs> we will see. All right. So much to get to. Two hours left here on Action Sports Jags on ESPN six ninety. A reminder: have a TV special tonight on CBS forty seven and Fox thirty. One hour long. Get you ready for the draft, which starts at eight. Jags should pick around nine o'clock and also ten fifteen when they take their twentieth overall selection. And you can listen to the draft right here on ESPN six ninety. Brent Martin, no Austin Lane. This was a special day for Austin Lane. Back in 2010 when he got drafted by the Jacksville Jaguars oh, yeah. in the fifth round. Coos is here as well as we hang out on a Thursday. And now we're going around the AFC South. We'll visit with Stephen Holder covering the Colts from the Athletic in just a bit. Seth Payne, former Jaguar, by the way, is out in Houston covering the Texans now. We'll meet up with him in a moment. But first, our buddy in Nashville, Tennessee. A year ago, the draft was in Nashville. The place was rocking, and now everybody's working from home. Say hello to Steve Lehman. What's up, man? How you doing? Hope you and your family are doing well.
0: Hey, Brent. We we are doing well, but let me tell you, it is a much different scene this year. I've actually... About 100 yards from Broadway, where I'm currently at at the moment. And, you know, a year a year ago, there were 200,000 people out there getting set for the first pick at opening night of the draft. And you can count the number of people on Broadway right now on two hands. So that it is isn't... a totally different scene. And for people who know Nashville, it's wild. It's something you could have never imagined, obviously. That is
2: incredible, wow. really. You know, you take a place uh, like Broadway and, and that spot, uh, that You're right about that. The 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 norm, you know, I went to St. Augustine a couple weeks ago in George Street right there, you know, where and it was a Saturday afternoon, and there's nobody there. I mean, that's what's the crazy thing, is see that dynamic, and that's how we'll remember this time a little bit, right? Empty ball fields, uh, crazy draft like tonight, but also empty streets in some of the populated areas. All right, man, tell us about the Tennessee Titans. I know you've got to be pretty fired up there in Nashville. What you guys were able to do a year ago, obviously, you keep Derrick Henry, young man from Eulie, right up the road here in the Jacksonville area on a franchise tag. Uh, you assign Tannehill to an extension, uh, which I still think could be debatable, but uh, they gotta love uh, the momentum they have there in Titanland. They certainly do.
0: They went into the offseason off of the AFC Championship game appearance Brent, and the goal was to solidify the offense that in the second half of the year, you can make the argument once Ryan Tannehill came in, that it was as good as any offense in football besides maybe the Chiefs with a healthy Patrick Mahomes in terms of the yards per game, the points per game. Tannehill led the NFL in passing efficiency, and obviously Henry was the NFL's rushing champion. Those two guys were the priority for John Robinson for sure. They were able to get Tannehill on the four-year deal. He's the franchise quarterback moving forward. They want a long-term deal with Henry. They weren't able to do that, so they stuck him with the franchise tag for this year, though. They still believe they have a great opportunity to get a long-term deal done before the season begins. But now that means they go into the draft needing some things in particular, and one guy that I I was hopeful for going into the offseason that they might be able to figure out a deal for was Logan Ryan, the cornerback, because he's such a versatile defender. He's great inside in the slot, He's a great blitzer. He's good in run support, and he's just a good guy in the locker room in terms of his leadership quality. They didn't get that done. He's still out there on the free agency market. So, to me, that means the Titans' biggest priority in this draft is cornerback. They've got seven selections. I wouldn't be surprised if you see them use at least two on that cornerback position. And, And right now, that would be my pick at 29 if, indeed, they stay there.
3: Steve Auslein, man, it's great to hear from you. I can only assume that for this draft, obviously, it's, it's going to be at your house. You're not going to be out and about. But I can only assume that you're, you're going to be rocking another legit, bona fide three-piece suit. A- am I correct with yeah. this? <laughs> uh,
0: well, I will, be, I will be at home tonight for the draft. I can say that. And th- since that's the case, we might be a little more casual than normal. <laughs> Thank heaven. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, I mean, I got you, man. I just remember seeing you, you know, at the Super Bowl a couple years ago, and like you were bringing it.
2: So I just figured that you always keep up on appearances. I might have said, by the way, earlier in the show that I'd like to see when the offensive linemen get drafted and be there in their their underwear in their living <laughs> yeah, room. Yeah. I don't want to see Layman in his underwear on TV. Little aggressive. Yeah.
3: But but my question Definitely to you is, not. but see but my question to you is this: obviously, you just said you know cornerback um, is a big need for the Tennessee Titans, you know, and when you analyze right now uh, the Titans paid Ryan Tannehill, obviously Derrick Henry's still a a huge facet of that team. When it comes to offense, and when it comes to addressing some of the needs on offense, are they going to help more, I guess you would say, Tannehill, maybe get another receiver, or something of that? Or are they going to rely on Derrick Henry and maybe go after a guard, or someone to replace Conklin?
0: I think they will probably address wide receiver at some point. Though I don't think it's as as drastic of a need as some people may believe, A.J. Brown was a very good wide receiver last year as a rookie who you would assume would only get better. Mm-hmm. Corey Davis has not lived up to the number five pick in the draft, but he was hurt much of last year. A lot of people didn't know that. He played through it. I think they still believe he can be a very good at least number two wide receiver. And Adam Humphreys missed a big chunk of last year. And a couple of years ago, he had 76 catches for the Bucks. So I think they feel like they've got pass catchers, Johnny Smith a tight end as well. They will probably pick up a wide receiver in there. And then at, at right tackle, they moved Dennis Kelly, who was their sixth offensive lineman who's played – both right tackle in the past when Conklin was hurt and left tackle last year when Taylor Lalon started the year suspended. So now he moves in at right tackle. I don't think they feel like they have to get a tackle that could start right away, but I do think they probably will go there at some point in the draft. The other thing they'll likely do in the draft is get a backup for Derrick Henry, they cut Dion Lewis a few weeks ago, right before free agency started, actually. I think they would love to get a change of pace back, somewhere you can catch the ball out of the backfield, and a guy who's really good in protection game, because, frankly, that's probably the biggest weakness in Derrick Henry's game, is his blocking and pass protection so that sort of third down change of pace back for Derrick Henry, I think, will also be a priority this weekend.
2: Good stuff from Steve Lehman. By the way, I'll back up his cornerback talk with this little nugget from ESPN. The Titans were one of two teams in the league ranked outside the top ten in completion percentage, yards per attempt, and touchdown-interception ratio outside the numbers last season. The other was the 3-13 and 13 Redskins. That from ESPN. Steve Lehman, good uh, to hear from you, man. Have fun on draft night, and uh, be well with
0: the family. You, you bet, guys. Stay safe down there. Look forward to actually seeing you,
2: soon. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
2: amen to that? Uh, that's Steve Lehman covering the uh, Tennessee Titans from News Channel 5 in Nashville, Tennessee. Now we're headed to Houston, Texas, and a name that so many people here in Jacksonville are familiar with, former fourth-round pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars back in 1997. Say hello to Seth Payne. What's happening, man?
4: Hey, how you guys doing? I feel, I feel a little bit like I've been waiting all day for a night football game, which means, like, I'm not sure what to do with myself, and I don't want to not concentrate on the draft, but I also don't want to think too much about it. I'm glad that you guys are calling me to take my mind off (laughs)
2: That's what we're here for, man. (laughs) With uh, Sports Radio 610 in Houston, you're on uh, not only with Brent Martin, but with uh, former fifth-round pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars back in 2010, Austin Lane. What are they talking about in Houston? Because I know a lot of folks outside of Houston have been talking about the Texans and Bill O'Brien, and maybe that DeAndre Hopkins move quite a bit.
4: Yeah, oh, yeah, we haven't had a chance to even talk about the draft too much <laughs> until this week. And honestly, because who the heck, we don't have a first round pick in Jack in Houston, so I'm I'm kind of jealous of you guys with uh two first rounders right now. Uh it's been a whole lot of what is Bill O'Brien doing? Is he actually qualified to be a general manager? How is he continually getting policed in these trades? Um and now we get to find out, okay, Nobody's really all that thrilled with Bill O'Brien, the general manager, when it comes to trades. But let's see how he handles the draft.
3: Seth, you know, in terms of the Houston Texans right now, to me, they're the gift that keeps on giving. I've been looking at Houston Texans Twitter mentions now for probably the past two months, and I can't get enough of it. I can't get enough of, of the outcry of the battle red of the, the Houston Texans fans. You know they're obviously upset right By now. That's something coming
2: from folks in Jacksonville.
3: Oh, man, it is my life right now, man. It's keeping me going because let's be honest, Jacksonville—it's been kind of a nightmare too. But Houston, those fans keep me going. My question to you is this, Seth. I mean, in terms of what Bill O'Brien can do now in this draft. How do you make this right, right? Because everyone's saying that Hopkins getting traded away for whatever it was a second round pick and David Johnson, it's not right. So how do you make this right in the draft now? Who can they take and who can Texans fans get excited about?
4: I think, look, they've got the wide receiver position kind of hemmed up. At least you're not going to replace DeAndre Hopkins, but they have Brandon Cooks. They signed Randall Cobb. They have Will Fuller and Kenny Stills. They're going to go defense, I think. And the new defensive coordinator, Anthony Weaver, an old defensive lineman, he's a, a teammate of mine. Uh, and this team has been eating an interior defensive line pass rush for a long time. Because J.J., even when J.J. Watt is healthy, he's typically lined up on the edge. And they just have these big old-school 3-4 defensive linemen. that would have been awesome in 2002, but it's kind of antiquated now. So... I think they're going to end up taking one of these guys, whether it's Ross Blacklock, Neville Gallimore, Marlon Davidson, all these guys that are kind of either late first round or second round type guys, they're all jumbled up and different teams might value different things. I think that's who it's going to be as an interior defensive lineman.
2: Well, just to back up your point, too, a a little uh, note from ESPN on the defensive line. The Texans' defense allowed 3.2 yards per before contact per rush this season. Third worst in the league, by the way, the Jaguars were right in that boat as well. The space was a major reason why Houston allowed 4.8 yards per rush, easily the highest in the team's 18-year history. Now, you mentioned some of the additions, though, on the offensive side. If you take the DeAndre Hopkins trade out of this, Seth, as Seth Payne joins us here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690, former Jags player, covers the Texans. If you take away the Hopkins kind of shock value, and you just put this offense out on the field to some who hadn't been paying attention? It's really not that bad, right? I mean, you got Cooks, you got Fuller, you got Cobb, you Houston, got Houston Johnson, Silver, Brent Martineau talking right I now. Mean, How is much are they paying you? Is it as bad as people are saying? I mean, or is that just <laughs> you got you got to kind of hit and hope that these guys play like their name said they once played?
4: We're right, exactly. Like they once played. That's the big thing because Brandon Cooks is coming off of a down year where, by the way, he's had four concussions in the last two yes. seasons. He, he hasn't, well, I guess the last two calendar years, because one of them was in the Super Bowl um, a couple years back. But it, he hasn't missed many games, but you wonder if that's one of the reasons that his production fell off last year. I mean, they took on David Johnson's contract, and David Johnson hasn't had a good year since 2016. They traded for Duke Johnson last year and then criminally underused him. All I talk... Every time I was approached by uh, a fan last year in Houston, it was generally an angry fantasy owner of Duke Johnson. <laughs> they was wondering, that. why are we not throwing to Duke Johnson? And I, the real issue that fans have, and understandably so, is that it feels like Bill O'Brien is spending draft picks, spending money on guys like Randall Cobb, and nobody really believes that you're going to get all that much out of it. So it, feels like, it feels like loading up on credit card debt for a vacation to Rhode Island. It's, it's going to be at best a pleasant experience, but nobody expects it to be Pat Mahomes territory. Oh,
3: you're, you're speaking my language, man, because my co-host here is from Rhode Island, and I can't uh, even talk I, anymore. Oh, uh, and a oh, shots have been <laughs> fired. I can't even talk massive Aggressive shots coming from Seth <laughs> Payne. I love it, dude. So a shot to the heart, right there, man. So I got a few more questions for you. So obviously, Deshaun Watson, man, he is the future of the Houston Texans, right? One can argue he's a top five quarterback right now. I know he kind of put out some cryptic tweets and everything regarding the trade of Hopkins, but how has he handled this whole situation, and how do you think he's looking at his head coach right now in Bill O'Brien?
4: I think that, look, Deshaun is a kid. I say a kid. He's a, he's a man that was raised right as a kid, and you can tell it. it's like the way he treats people around him, the way he responds to coaching. You know, he's just even-keeled, and he's all in it for the team. That's why, like, he's, he's Davos Tweeney's perfect student, and... <laughs> I think he he wasn't happy. I, I don't think he was happy about losing DeAndre Hopkins, but he's also, uh, you know, hey, he's going to row with the ship and he's going to try to make the best of it. I think what Bill O'Brien is thinking is, hey, we want to give him as many options as possible so we can be as close to the New England Patriots as possible, where Deshaun is sitting back and he's running the show. He's checking into the plays he wants. There's precision amongst his receivers. And let's make this thing run like clockwork. And I think Deshaun's full bore into that. Now, he doesn't have a new contract yet, and maybe he does in July or August. But maybe that starts, I don't think that he ever turns this into a Kirk Cousins game where he just rides (laughs) it out through the franchise tag. But it's something to watch over the next couple of years.
3: Seth Pan, one more question for you, man, and obviously you're a guy that has his finger on the pulse of Houston fans right now. In terms of disappointment, what's been more disappointing, losing Hopkins or the Houston Astros cheating?
4: Oh, well, you know, we're, we're in like kind of a state of angry denial about the, uh, the Astros cheating for the most part. <laughs> I'll say I'll say it collectively. You know, it, it, it was one of those things where like, okay, yeah, we feel bad about it, this was bad, but then... But when you're getting piled on constantly by the rest of the baseball world, you start at some point you just start fighting back. So uh, yeah, we we are. This is what the this is the awful thing that the Astros cheating scandal has done. And and this is something that I never thought I would ever say. I can kind of empathize with Patriots fans. Uh, because because we know we know so much more about this scandal than anybody else because we dove, dove and uh, dive deep into it yeah. so that we get hyper we get hypersensitive about any hint of it so yeah it's a it's not a mentally healthy state we're in here
2: <laughs> Seth Payne uh, love catching up with you man thanks for joining us for a few minutes from Sports Radio six ten in Houston the Houston Texans will have uh, seven picks in the draft three seventh rounders no first rounder have fun this weekend man thanks for joining us.
4: Hey, you guys too. Thanks, man.
2: All right. That was Seth Payne, former Jaguars draft pick back in 1997. Rhode Island, man. Taking some shots. Uh, uh, That's okay. They have had a lot to talk about in Houston. Oh, yeah. I mean, you you know, around here you talk draft for four months. Yeah, it's true. They just got to the draft this week. I I believe them on that, Uh, especially when you don't have a first-round pick. Yeah. Speaking of another place that doesn't have a first-round pick, they traded away. That's the Indianapolis Colts. They, too, have seven picks in this 2020 draft, but they'll sit tonight out unless they want to trade back in we welcome in Stephen Holder to the program from The Athletic. like following him and covers the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Stephen, thanks for taking some time, man. Is this a weird draft night? Not only because of the situation we're all in uh, as a world, but also because the Colts don't have a first-round pick anymore.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to decide, like, can I just, like, pour a drink tonight? (laughs) Because I probably don't have to work. Or, like, how's this going to work, right? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, but, yeah, so I'm debating. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> That's a really
2: good call. Brent Martineau, former Jags player, Austin Lane, here on Action Sports Jags on ESPN 690, talking draft around the AFC South and on the Indianapolis Colts with Stephen Holder. Did you like the move to get out of the 13 spot and get the Forrest Buckner uh, that the Colts made uh, in uh, the last month?
1: I liked it. I think they feel like 13 was kind of one of those areas in the draft where it's like, you're not a. It's not a top five sort of pick. Uh, quarterbacks, which is a long term concern, right? Because Philip Rivers is 38. The quarterbacks at, at number 13. You know who are you really talking about? I think Jordan Love was probably their only realistic option. And maybe they're not. You know, no pun intended. In love with him. Uh, they decided that DeForest Buckner was was the way to really maximize that pick. And and frankly. Their defense they need more of an interior pass rush and an interior presence to make it work. And I thought last year revealed that their defense wasn't as far along as they thought. So they just really think that the Forrest Buckner can be a game changer for them uh in sort of you know getting to where they want to be defensively. So I like the pick. And to be honest, the Colts, you know, they've got a couple of number two picks or second round picks and they've had a lot of success in the second round anyway. So I, I think they feel like they're still in a strong spot. Steven, you
3: know, you talk about the Indianapolis Colts. You guys go after Phillip Rivers. You get him. You know, I don't think everyone's going to fault you for that. But that remains the question of, of this draft right here. I mean, how much of it is planning for the future? Possibly maybe trading back up or getting a quarterback to follow you in the second round. And how much of it is building your offense around Phillip Rivers? Maybe adding a receiver, maybe another tight end. Like how much of it is the, is the present right now? And how much of it is going to be the future of the Indianapolis Colts?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. They have to walk and chew gum at the same time, just to be completely honest. I think here's the situation. Right now, Philip Rivers does need a couple of more skill position players, I think, really to be the player they want him to be. I think Philip Rivers, at this point, is not going to transcend the players around him, I, in my opinion at least. I think he's going to need help. I mean, you look at his best uh, performances last year, a lot of them are receivers going and making plays for him. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, those guys, the tight ends, he's got to have some help. And right now, he's not a guy any longer that you just plug in and he can sort of rise above what's around him. So I think the Colts need to help him out. I think wide receiver is a big uh, part of the menu in this draft, and I think it's, it's a box they have to check. But at the same time, as you pointed out, they don't have a quarterback even under contract for next year. They have no quarterbacks under contract for 2021. Now, I get that. We'll get there when we get there, and and certainly uh, that's a long time off from now. But your quarterback's thirty eight, and that's the bottom line. I do think, though, that in Philip Rivers' mind, he is looking at this in a two year sort of window. Uh, He's under contract for one year, but he really intends uh, he very much intends to play in two thousand twenty one. The question for me is, how does he play this year, and what impact does that have on the Colts wanting him back the following year?
2: I kind of like the move with Philip Rivers, given where the Colts are at. I think it was a good spot for him. And what the yeah. heck, let's go for it and see what's left with Philip Rivers. I, I really don't mind it. Uh, Stephen Holder with us from The Athletic covers the Colts. How close do you think? or Were there any conversations of Nick Foles ending up back with Frank Reich uh, and ending up in Indianapolis?
1: They did talk to the Jaguars. That I know for a fact. Uh, I heard that from a pretty reliable source. That did happen. Uh, there was compensation discussed from what I was told. Now, how close did it come to happening? I don't know that close is the right word. I think it, it was described to me as a backup plan to Philip Rivers because I think with Frank Reich being the head coach and his history in San Diego with Philip, and also their offensive coordinator, their tight ends coach as well, so they have a lot of history within the people within their building with Philip Rivers. So that was always the preferred option. And I think Frank Reich was really all in on getting Philip Rivers. But if for some reason uh, they couldn't work it out financially, or if Philip maybe decided to retire, which was something he considered, uh, I think in those instances, had those outcomes uh, played out, then I think Nick Foles definitely would have been an option. But but it definitely was not their their number one priority. It was always a backup plan to to the Philip Rivers signing. Steven, you know, as
3: we talk now about the Colts in the future, and and we'll see how this draft pans out, but the way it looks right now on paper for the Indianapolis Colts, what can we expect from that offense? Because the way I picture the Colts, they've always been kind of that run-first team. They have Marlon Mack. I mean, I get it, T.Y. Hilton's up there in age, but he's still a great player. But they've always been that physical run-first team. Do we still see that with Phillip Rivers, or do they make the transition a little bit to being more pass-happy?
1: Yeah, I don't think you're going to see – sort of a huge transition even with Philip Rivers now under contract I think they're still going to be a team that that wants to be physical and wants to run the football I think they're going to really take advantage of play action which is going to be something that I think is going to help Philip Rivers to be honest I really think they're still going to be a team that wants to be physical they have made some moves that suggest that I mean they signed a fullback a fullback who does that, right? And what's up next? I love it. <laughs> and I, I, they haven't had a fullback on the roster in about four years. So I mean that was interesting. And then uh certainly they've they've added the tight end yesterday. And like they I really think that they still have an intention of of running the football and look, they're the best unit on their team is still their offensive line. Mm-hmm. And and they they do protect well, but they also I think are an elite run blocking unit. So Stick with your strings. That's what I say.
2: Stephen Holder from The Athletic, thanks for joining us, man. You know, we, it, I, I think they're fascinating because they could be the team to beat, and they also sign a couple of guys that name-wise you're like, wow, I wouldn't mind those guys on my roster. Xavier Rhodes and Trey Burton, what do those guys have left? Uh, if they hit on them, Indianapolis could be really good in 2020. I know we got you on short notice today. I appreciate you jumping in on ESPN 690 and, and hope we can catch up again soon.
1: All right, guys. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having
2: me. That's Stephen Holder from The Athletic. Uh, by the way, he mentioned, you know, defensive back, wide receiver, defensive line. Uh, from an offensive standpoint, this note from ESPN, Colts wide receivers ranked 28th in receptions. 30th in receiving yards, yep. T.Y. Hilton, Zach Pascal were the only Colts wide receivers with at least 20 receptions uh, <laughs> last year. So that will show you where they've been in terms of, he said, elite running, uh and they have been. Uh, what's interesting to me, if you look at the AFC South, and we might talk about this a little bit more, about how the Jags can make gains. Two teams don't have first-round picks. Jags have two. All three teams have seven picks total. Jags have 12. Mm-hmm. And what else is interesting is every team in the division... One of their primary needs is defensive back. So if you're the Jags, do you circle away from that a little bit with the bevy of picks and go get more offense to attack your in-division rivals? Mm. Because they're thin there. Sure. Talk about that a little bit on the other side. And also, it's shock your mock for one final day. Will your name be called? Who had the best mock of the bunch? Nobody. Yeah, nobody. Nobody. And will Austin leave the segment sweating? Probably, yep, absolutely. And plus, like, we're white today, so it's going to show right through. Mom on line three. It's going to show right through. it up. Happy oh. draft day, everybody. Coverage all night long here on Action Sports Jacks, both on ESPN 690 and on the TV side, CBS 47 and Fox 30. We'll be right back.
0: Currently I am uh, 250 pounds. I actually woke up this morning and I was in my boxers and I weighed myself. Uh, dead weight this morning was 250 pounds. So a lot of people out there think I've lost 40 pounds, lost 50 pounds. Uh, I one time was in the supermarket about three months ago and this guy came up to me. He's like, I heard you lost 80 pounds. And I was like, dude, if I lost 80 pounds, I'd be looking totally different than what I look right now.
2: <laughs> Rob Gronkowski, uh, yeah, he, he can say, like, it's sunny outside, and it would seem kind of funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, he's just, he is such a character. Yeah. And a uh, really good football player. Well, and keep in
3: mind here, this is going to be the ultimate commercial for CBD. Because if he comes back and is the Gronk of old, Well, keep in mind, this guy's been in hyperbolic chambers. He's been in hot tubs full of CBD, just bathing in it, just basking in it. And if he comes back and does his thing, I mean, say no more, man. I think CBD stock prices are going to skyrocket through the roof. It's a good call.
2: Yeah. Uh, And and listen, a lot of people think, did he screw over the Patriots or whatever? I genuinely believe this guy's body was beat up, man. He's like a 31-year-old guy that if you really watched him play, looked like he was older than Tom Brady.
3: Yeah, it it looked like he was in pain to run every single time he got the ball. Like, it looked like it actually hurt him
2: to run, you know? Now, they just have to hope that these guys have something left because you think every move they make in this draft is going to be with those two guys in mind, especially Brady, Yeah. and and about going after it in the next year or two. And if they are wrong, and big time wrong because Brady's on the downside or, or whatever else, well, now you're in trouble. As a franchise, because you just set yourself way back. It's no, no different yeah, than missing on a franchise quarterback in that regard.
3: You did, but they've also done a great job, though, of what, building the hype right now, right? Like, we're in Jacksonville here. We're talking about all these oh, negative no things. Right now, it's cool to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. Never thought I'd say that, you know, but here we are. I mean, Tampa Bay is like, they're the hot team right now. They're almost like the Ravens of last year, and they haven't even played a game yet, but people are rallying around Tampa Bay. So, in terms of. Building the hype, they've done that. Now it's all about putting the talent on the field,
2: being successful. We'll see what happens. Listen, we just had guys from around the AFC South. We're going to have your Mock in just a moment. But I had this on my mind the last couple of days. The Jaguars right now, I think they're over and under to win is like four and a half games. Something like that. Again, I said this earlier in the show. Miami Dolphins I think were five going into last year. Cincinnati Bengals were six going into last year. And there were some other teams around six. I think the Jaguars might have been seven or eight Mm -hmm. in terms of the over-under. And, by the way, it, Jaguars just bet on under, and you've been a big winner over the last decade. Yeah. So my point in that, and what I keep hearing people say is just how bad the Jags are going to be, how bad the Jags are going to be. That's the narrative outside. They, And I'm a sunshine and rainbows guy. And it's hard for me to sit here and say when you're zero and zero that you're terrible. Yeah. I understand what's going on in Jacksonville. I, I'm, I'm not naive to that. I get it. But I also look at their roster the way it sits right now. And I look at what happened last year and what transpired at times. I'm like, will they really be as bad as that on paper? Hear me out for a second. I'm hearing Jalen Ramsey stuff. Well, some people think that kind of derailed them for a bit or at least added to everything else. Well, that doesn't happen every year. So let's just assume it won't happen in the fall. (laughs) Something like that. Now, Jan's situation is interesting to watch. Mm -hmm. NFL teams don't give up 200 yards rushing plus five games out of 16. Doesn't happen. It doesn't happen, you know. And so, even if they don't have Calais, even if they don't have Marcel Darius, just the idea that that doesn't happen normally. Even if you have just a moderate roster, I can't imagine that will happen again. Gardner Minshew went six and six in a rookie season that nobody expected anything out of him. Now they did stay healthy on offense. Fournette ended up having sixteen hundred total yards. DJ Chark had a career year, and their offensive line played all the games. So, maybe things fell right, but I would say then to that, well, that whole group is coming back, other than Marquis Lee, who they just let go. And you're going to probably add pieces around it. And a guy like Mitchie, wouldn't you think takes a step? We say Cam, maybe Leonard, DD, playing in contract years. Mm-hmm. You know, with DJ Chark, you think he would evolve a little bit? They actually have a tight end room that exists, at least on paper right now. On paper. And this is all before the draft starts, you know? So, I understand they, they they don't look great on paper. I'm not trying to push this team into the playoffs or to the Super Bowl. What I'm really trying to say is you can start the tank for Trevor stuff as early as you want. But the Miami Dolphins, who most people thought were if you watch their first few games, like it rivaled like the 2013 Jaguars in the first month of the season, hmm. they ended up with what? Five wins? Yeah. And the fifth overall pick and beat the Patriots in the last game of the year? I'm just not as convinced, if you're in the tank for Trevor conversation, that it's going to be easy with this roster to get two wins out of the year. I I, I don't think they're as bad on paper as people say. Again, hear me out now. I'm not saying they're great. I just think right now the outside world thinks this team has just got one of the – I've seen a bad roster here in Jacksonville. I've seen it multiple times in the last 12 years. This This one doesn't strike me as that, though. It really doesn't.
3: Let me ask you this. When you say bad though, like what are we talking bad? Are we talking like a repeat of last season? Are we talking worse? Are we talking like give me some kind of I would
2: think at the very least some gauge to go I, by I, here. I would think again the offense is all intact in from a year ago, and okay. you're hoping that it's healthier, Oliver, Eiffert, and whatever you add to it, and Minshew takes a step. Right? Yeah. But defensively, I get it. But what I'm saying even defensively, if you don't even have great – like if you don't have the Calaises and the A.J. Boyes and you have some holes and you're not great, like if you're not dynamic, I have a hard time believing they're just going to allow people to run like they did because they're going to address that.
3: But no, but my point is here, Brent. When you say bad, like how what is bad to you? Like well, is, bad is
2: one and fifteen and two and fourteen. Okay. That's what people think so, they're going to be. Okay.
3: Well, yeah. I mean, that's a little. Listen, I wouldn't say that bad, but I would not be like. Would you consider a repeat of last season going six and ten? Is that bad to you? It's still bad. Okay. Yes, so that's. But so, it's
2: not as bad as what people are people projecting. Are,
3: listen, that's my point. Okay. I got you.
2: I mean, and I get it. There's, there's ebbs and flows of what you define as bad.
0: Here's how that I is see bad, it.
2: but we are yeah. kind of defining what what level of bad. Because again, if you are sitting here holding out hope that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the guy, you're talking one 15 fifteen, two and fourteen, Shh. maybe three and thirteen.
3: Yeah, but you also have draft capital to take care of that if you that's need to get him. Well,
2: that's true. Yeah. yeah, But so, with that
3: being said, listen, what I have to go off of right now, and once again, the draft is tonight, and they start addressing the needs of concern. But what I have to go off of right now is you're right. The offense, for the most part, is coming back. All right, and one would think that Josh Oliver. Could take some leaps and bounds. We'll see, though. Keep in mind, in my mind, he's still a rookie, right? Because he didn't get a lot of playing time, didn't get a lot of practice time. So to me, he's still green behind the ears a little bit. You have Tyler Eifer at the tight end position, who, when he's healthy, could be a dynamic game changer. But once again, can he stay healthy the entire season? It's a giant question mark right now. You have an offensive line last year who, and I get it, the, the, the staff, the front office, they love it. But once again, if you don't change anything from that offensive line this year, and it's fourth and one, are you confident that the Jacksonville Jaguars can convert a fourth and one on a goal line situation or not? If you use a fullback. If you use a fullback, maybe. (laughs) But I'm saying right now, probably not, Brett. Yeah. And I'm looking at a defensive line who just lost Calais Campbell, pro bowler, who supposedly was the best run-stopping defensive tackle in the entire NFL. He
2: He was, was, but they still gave up a ton of yards.
3: Okay, well, you lost him. So it's not going to get better. So you lost him. Right now, the way it's set up, you're depending on Taven Bryant to be a starter. So a position that he's never been in before in terms of starting. He's never had that experience. You have lost your cover corner with A.J. Boye. And now you're depending on Trey Herndon. Unless, once again, we'll see what happens in the draft. But right now, the way it stands, you have Trey Herndon. And a linebacking in last year, that was atrocious. Yeah,
2: this, now, It's an upgrade this year.
3: We've, yeah, I mean, on paper. A, a, on paper. on, paper. Yeah, yeah. on paper. I mean, with Joe Schrobert, obviously. Yeah, play middle linebacker, that's exactly what you want. Miles Jack playing the weak side, one would think it's going to go better from him there. But what's to say that, you know, their defense is intriguing right now? Because guess what, man? I get you added Gunter, okay? I get it. You added Cassius Marsh and these guys, but are they what's going to put you over the top and win in the trenches? And right now, I would say probably not.
2: Yeah, listen, I don't think the Jags have anything that's saying going to put them over the top. Yeah. I'm just saying, can it at least be sound enough, right? But can it be fundamental enough to get the job done when needed? But
3: here's the problem, though, Brent, okay? You talk about your offense. You talk about Gruden coming in and maybe making this a more pass-first team. That's great. But what that leads me to believe is there'll be shootouts this year. How many shootouts are you confident in the Jacksonville Jaguars winning right now with their secondary and with their pass rush and with their defense? Probably not too many. OK, I don't care if the Jaguars put up 25, 30 some points a game. If you're giving up 40 points a game, it's not going to matter. So right now, and once again, I get it. We'll see what happens after the draft. I'm just saying the way it looks right now on the roster, you you can do these shootouts if you want to. But I think it's going to be a game that they want to stay away from until the defense gets
2: addressed. Yeah, That's interesting. You know, what kind of got me on this topic is I think the Jags are underdogs in every game. According to Vegas. And on top of that, they were like a four and a half point dog, I think, uh, is, is the line, like, obviously way ahead it, against Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, I was like, I would, wouldn't you be confident going against Cincinnati? Absolutely. Even in Joe Burrow with Absolutely. this Jags roster? Absolutely. I know they've got holes. I'm just, yeah. but. That they really should have crushed Cincinnati last year if they, they could have scored from the one yard line, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, you thought it, they were on their way to probably just pounding them. Yep. I, I don't know. I just, that's, that's kind of what got me thinking that way. It's like all this talk about the worst team, the worst team, the worst team. They might be the worst team. They really might. I'll, I'll give that to you. But the way we know the NFL works, something usually surprises you a little bit. And I don't think that's just like a, again, I'm not trying to get the Jags to nine wins. I, I'm just saying they got a quarterback that, you're kind of putting a little faith in, and if he takes a step, you never know where it goes. And they well, should be better on offense, assuming they stay healthy, and they'll be better against the run. Uh, but they will take a little back on defense in terms of being dynamic. No doubt, they lose a lot of star power di- on, on defense. Well, let me ask you this then: in terms
3: of NFL rosters right now, and I get the Bengals are probably the worst. Who else has a be- uh, Who else has a worse yeah. roster right now than the Jacksonville it's, Jaguars? It's,
2: it's fair. I mean, Miami, pre-draft. Well, Miami. Of course, ha- has put a lot of money on their defense, but they have like no offensive line. I yeah. mean, who's playing quarterback? Who's throwing the ball? To- I mean, it, right now, yeah, I'd, I don't. I'd go toe to toe with Miami and take my chances. Okay, like, so 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 yeah, Miami, Washington. Okay. Um, give me some more. Uh, Arizona's obviously evolving, oh, but yeah. they're still. But on defense, there's they've got nothing, right? I mean, they got Chandler, uh, Chandler Jones. Jones, okay, yeah, they one yeah. player. Yeah. Um, I mean. Jags have Josh Allen. I'll sure. give you the one player. But I'm taking Chandler Jones over Josh Allen right now. Yeah, no but I think I might Allen. take the Jags' defense is what I'm saying overall okay. with Miles Jack, Schobert, and other of those guys over uh, over Arizona's defense. Uh, who else am I missing? Uh, I understand we're scraping the bottle of the barrel. No, but for it, sure. It's kind of a, a, a silly exercise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and remember they had Patrick Peterson as well at corner. Yeah. He's solid. Uh, listen, Arizona maybe takes a huge step this year. There's a chance yeah. they do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't – and now they have a chance to get better. How much better will you get? I've never put a ton of stock in draft picks helping out immediately. I really just haven't. Mm-hmm. So how much better will they come out of this weekend? You might feel better about their names and about the guys and the positions they've plugged up. Yeah, I'm telling you, before the draft, I, I think there's a little better reason to feel at least lukewarm about what the Jaguars have rather than – Oh my gosh. It's just, again, I experienced 2013 and 2014. Mm-hmm. 2013 was, that was bottom of the barrel roster. It really was. One of the worst rosters ever put on a field. I mean, it really was. And so, from a talent standpoint at this level, yeah. it's not that, it, it, I guess, is, is my point. And how quickly can they build and people respond around what they like as a young core? You know, Jawan Taylor, uh, Josh Allen, Minshew, DJ Chark. I mean, my, even Miles, I think he'd be in that category. You know, those. Can they build around that? Can they do it in a hurry? And can they get some other guys to elevate their games? I I guess it's just not as dire as, as the outside world is portraying to me. Yeah. Uh, but I am kind of a half glass full. Uh, <laughs> so Sunshine I, of rainbows, baby. Go half glass full on some mocks uh, now that I just uh, crushed some of your time. But it's shock your oh, mock good, time man. here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Final one last time. We only have a handful of them because we had to put the stopper on some. We did. Uh, but we had a bunch of entries all week long, so we yeah. appreciated this will become a new thing. Listen, yeah. I mean, I think this has
3: been overall, it's been a, a success critically. Um, got a lot of positive feedback on it. And I think that if we can take one thing away from this because it takes... Takes your mock drafts to make this engine go. If we take one thing from this, it's that you know what? Nobody knows, man. Okay? And, and I sit here and I and I harsh everybody and, and I and I burn everybody. But you know what? Even me playing four years in the NFL, I don't know, man. Okay? Like, it's just this is the NFL draft. This is what makes it so great to watch because we can sit here and give grades, give grades. But until they get on the field, man, we just don't know. But you know what? It makes her some damn good dialogue, right so I
2: love doing it, man. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Uh in mock draft number one. By the way, I'll give you a little update here from Adam Schefter in the last fifteen, twenty minutes. Says here's something worth monitoring tonight. Jaguars GM Dave Caldwell just called Lions GM Bob Quinn about this evening's picks per source.
3: Ooh. Akuda? I like, uh, and I have a guitar in here too for a big reason. It's all shaping up in my favor. We'll see they what like happens. They like Akuda.
2: We know they like Akuda, but do they like him that much to move up will be interesting to see.
3: Once again, Akuda's Barracuda's trademarked. Okay, we ready to go? Because we got some music. Ooh. I Guess like this. Movie. Oh, man. Predator? Superhero movie.
2: That oh. would rule me out of it.
3: I don't know. Oh, Batman! Uh, no, Batman. Uh, B- Batman: The Dark Knight. Yes.
2: Very good. Ooh. That's well done. Predator, <laughs> give me a break. All right, because we got the mom Ma- Ma- just one? buzzed in. Said you're already sweating. I know. All right. I, it is what it is, man. <laughs> all right. First one is Ben Jags Magic. He's a magic fan and a Jags fan. God <sighs> bless that guy. One last oh. time for an on cow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my god!
3: Somebody Did go we, buy this guy a drink. Just give this guy a T-shirt. Say he <laughs> has the best draft because we feel sorry for
2: him, man. Dang. Go easy oh, on him. The oh, magic. Man. Love oh. Gardner Minshew III but can't pass on Tua. he says. Give him a red shirt. Here Isaiah Wilson takes over at right guard. What do you say, Austin Lane? All right. So, Magic fan, Ben, I'm sorry you're a Orlando Magic fan. Come on over
3: to the Bucks bandwagon, man. It's classy. It's a f- cool spot to be right now. Shout out to the Greek freak. Listen, man. You say you love Gardner Minshew III. But you can't pass on tour. Sure you can, man. All you have to do is click somebody else. Literally click anybody else, and you pass on Tua. And give him a redshirt year? Oh, I'm sorry? Are you an AD at a D1 university? There are no redshirt years in the NFL. If you draft Tua, he's playing this year. I don't care if he's got a gimpy hip or not. He's going out there, and he's playing. Dude, give Gardner Minshew a chance. If you love him so much, then let's see what he's got. It's like trying to break up with that girl after one one date. Maybe she's the one. Maybe she's got a great job. Maybe she comes from money. You don't know what's going on, but let's see where it plays out. Give Gardner Minshew a chance. So number nine, Tua Tonga Hate that pick can't stand it. I want to dump you right here, but let's go on a little more. Number 20, Javon Kinlaw. Brent in a perfect world with sunshines and rainbows and, you know, candy canes and lollipops. Kinlaw falls number 20. Don't see it happening. AJ Terrell at number 42 Wow! in the second round.
2: Everybody's getting bumped on this mock
3: draft. Michael Pittman number 73. So once again, this guy's insulting our intelligence. You know
2: I like Michael Pittman in the second round. He's not going to fall to 73, though. There's no (laughs) way, man. Some people have sliding up to the first round, the yeah. late first round, actually. Here's a pick he has. Uh, just keep an eye on this guy, Lynn Bowden, uh, yeah. the wide receiver. Yep. Interesting fit for the Jags. The Wildcat. Yeah, yeah it Kentucky. could be an interesting fit. Okay. Uh, and Somebody that keeping an eye on for the Jaguars in the middle round. Well,
3: keep an eye on it. Joshua Kelly, too, a running back, UCLA. Maurice Jones, Drew, swears by him. Now, there's a little bias, obviously. A little bias uh, for uh, There's MJD. a big, fat bias coming from MJD, but he seems to like Joshua Kelly a lot. Keep an eye on that. But let's get back to the task at hand. Magic fan, Ben. Not a fan of your mock draft. Actually can't stand your mock draft. Get it out of my face,
2: because you know why, man? Good luck to your magic, but your mock draft sucks. Okay, moving on. I don't know who this guy is. We didn't include the uh, the title. Yeah, it's in there. Oh, is it? Yep. Uh, maybe just not me. Mock draft. Aaron, Aaron W. Oh, Fogg. Yep, yep, Aaron W. Fogg. Uh, Aaron so W. Fogg. Draft got me stressed out, he says. But join the club, <laughs> man. Trying to grade these
3: mock drafts has me stressed as well. So, What's he got? A couple of them? No, so see how it ha- I had to get his name in one of these screen caps, and then the other one was just a draft.
2: Okay. Because I had I to see you. what we're
3: talking about. So, That's what I was looking at. Immediately, he loses points just from that standpoint, making this harder on me. <laughs>
0: all right. Which I want a nice, easy to
3: read draft, <laughs> but you know what? The little thing can put me over. But let's go to the number here let's crunch what we got number nine Mikai Becton all right out of Offensive lineman to me, he's probably the most boomer bust type of guy. Yeah. Right? Because he's a big bodied, pleasant an attitude. Some scouts were saying, well, he likes to cook more than he plays football. But come, on, I mean, what are we doing here? Like, w- would you rather have a guy cook his own meals or have a guy like me, my rookie year, go to PF uh, P. Chang's and Panda Express every single day and grub on some orange chicken? Okay. At least he's cooking his own meals. I'm not sure what the big deal is there. I don't mind back to that number nine. I I'd get where you're going there. Oh, the thing, I think. Oh, the drug thing. Yeah. Well, I don't mind them there at number nine. Better drug test. It's 2020, man. It. I'm just smoking I'm just if just you having, got him, dude. I didn't say it was a- smoking if you got them. 2020. <laughs> it's going to be legalized pretty soon. Enjoy, everybody. Uh, <laughs> pick number 20. This is a Brent Marno burner account. <laughs> Trevon Diggs coming at number 20. You know how I feel about him. You know how Brent feels about him. The fact that we still have our jobs on this show is by the grace of God, because if I was the corporate offices of Cox Media, I would want to shut us down like yesterday. But Trevon Diggs, number 20, not sure why he took him. Fulton still had to be available, man. I don't know what you're thinking. DeAndre Swift, number 42, if he's there... I think you pulled the trigger. I'm, I mean, no, I'm not mad at yeah. that. Uh, this number 73 guy, we
2: talked about him, Brent. Go ahead and pronounce his name. I don't hey, want to Chanel, do it. Levis Lavisca, Levis from Colorado. He's climbed yeah. a lot of boards. Like He got a lot of attention late. He'll yeah. be an interesting one. I don't know much about him, honestly. Well, but. you know what? I watched Mel Tucker play a couple times, coach, because he's the head coach of
3: Colorado. I watched a couple of the games. The kid is talented, but I'm going to say this. If he comes to Jacksonville, I'm going to call him the kid
2: from Colorado. <laughs> Everything else. <laughs> See um, the Troutman kid? A lot of people think he might be Troutman, the best tight end in the draft. Isn't is
3: that your guy too? Dude, don't you like him a lot or not? Did uh, you have him in your mock draft? No, I didn't have oh, him. Okay, you had somebody. Who's your tight
2: end in your mock draft? The Bryant kid out the of Bryant FAU, kid. maybe. Yeah, like, Adam Stroudman supposed to be like you know everybody's talking about Cole Komet yeah. out of Notre Dame. Sure, but this guy from Dayton. Might be the school, best one. Small school
3: guy, the, the flyer, if you will. I'm not mad at that, but once again, fourth round, I mean, can he come in and contribute? I get the fourth round's kind of at that tweener stage where, can you develop him a little bit? I'm not mad at that, but Brent, we go back to the top, man, and then we go to pick <laughs> number 20, Travon Diggs. You know how I felt about him. I went on a big rage mode here a couple days ago over Brent picking him, but you still picked him too, sir. Shame on you for doing that. And let me go back to this guy's name here so he knows. Aaron W. Fogg at a Fog 911 You're mocked Draft. It
2: sucks. All right, uh, we're gonna take a break when Please we come do. back. The final three mock drafts of Shockier Mock Season Number One. It'll be on <laughs> Netflix. Sure.
3: Uh, and then just like shows so on Netflix, the first the first season will be
2: the best one. The sequel's gonna suck. One more hour to the show. <laughs> no, it's only gonna get better. One so, more hour man. to the show before the 2020 NFL Draft. Apparently, Schefter says Cowbell's making calls to the Lions. What for? A Cuda or a quarterback? I mean, mm, what's but he about jumping up? Uh, play the audio again. Going to lose my marbles. Austin has his guitar out. He brought his guitar yeah. for something. Yes. I don't know what. Yeah. But apparently he's playing guitar. I am playing guitar. I I just learned last night, actually. So we're gonna try. <laughs> it's my first time <laughs> playing today. We'll see what happens. The Austin Lane <laughs> debut and Shakir Mach continues. Plus some prop bets and our both predictions in the final hour on ESPN Six. You guys have
1: officially made me.